Hi, and welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be both encouraged and challenged to step into what God has in store for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Today we're going to continue our series, uh, Who Do You Think You Are? And I think that is such an important question that we need to ask ourselves, who do I think I am? Uh, It says in the Bible, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so the way that you see yourself is the way essentially you're going to live your life. Today we were... Uh, us as a staff were talking and, and Jonathan was saying that he, uh, he took a goose home and the goose was following his little girls everywhere, kind of being one of them. And then he said, and now we, we brought the goose to another home and he's surrounded by ducks. And so at first he was going to be acting like a little girl and now he's going to be acting like a bunch of ducks. And, but he was a goose, right? And I, and I think it's, that's why it's so important to see our identity. Uh, if we realize who we are in Christ and we believe who God says we are and we live that out in our life, we're going to live according to the truth, and that's going to be uh, a good thing. And if we don't, we're going to live like a, a, a duck when we're actually not a duck. And so we've taken a look at uh, two, uh, who do you think you are, two, if you haven't seen the whole series, we looked at I am a masterpiece, uh, and we are priests. And so you can go back and, and watch those. They were fantastic messages Pastor Claude did. So today I'm going to be focusing on one more of those titles. Uh, and so before we get into things, let's, let's pray. Yeah, God, I, I thank you. Um, thank you that you are here and you're with us. God, that you're good, and and God, I just pray today that you'd go beyond my words. God, thank you that you are Emmanuel, God among us, God with us. You are right there on every couch, on every seat, wherever anyone's watching this, you're with them, and I really believe that we are still, in a sense, together in one spirit, and so God, I I just pray that that would be felt today, and that you would speak um, personally to your sons and personally to your daughters uh, today. Amen. Yeah, has anyone ever wanted to be the greatest at something? Uh, For me in my life, if you know me, you know I'm very embarrassingly competitive. Like if I'm playing marbles or pickup sticks, I want to win, like I need to win, and if I don't win, I'm gonna throw a fit, and I don't care how it's gonna look. Um, And growing up, I always compared myself with another, I played the trumpet in band and there's always this other trumpet player. I don't know if he compared himself to me, but I always compared him, uh, myself to him. And, uh, and he was always like a little bit better. I think he practiced more, that's why. Uh, but there was this one festival where I, I played a really good song and I beat him. And it was like, yeah, it was so good. Um, but, but again, he, uh, slowly I stopped practicing and, and he just became a lot better. Uh, also in high High school, I remember there was this one person I would always compare my grades to, and again, I don't know if they knew that, um, and so whenever I had a test with anything like above 80, I'd be like, hey, you know, what, what you get on the test? And I would, I would always lose. He was always like, well, sometimes I'd win, but he was often a little bit smarter. Uh, but I think a lot of us have this attitude. We, we want to be great. And, and the disciples were the same. It says in Luke 22, the, they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. And then Jesus steps in. Jesus told them, in this world, 
The kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like the servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am the one who serves. So, so there, the disciples are arguing like, hey, do you think I'm the greatest? You know, like, I think I have the best miracles, but maybe John is most loved by Jesus. Ah, I don't know. Who, who's the greatest? And Jesus doesn't squash this, this, this attitude to be great. But what he totally does is he 100% flips their idea of greatness. It actually says in Mark 10.35, anyone who wants to be first must be last and servant of all. Like that is, that's insane. That, that, that's crazy. This, the disciples are hearing this and, and they're like, what is like, if you want to be first, you, you've got to be last. This, this makes no sense. This makes, what is going on here? Um, it, it would be like a, a race would start and you would say, ready, set, go. And you'd immediately take off the other way. And, and you're just always trying to be last. It's like, this is crazy and wild. And then it says, and if you want to be first, you must be last and servant of all. That word servant is the word doulos in Greek. And it actually more accurately uh, translates to the word slave. Uh, most translators probably use the word servant. And if you read your, in your Bible, if you look that passage up, uh, it's most likely going to read servant. And translators did this because uh, when we think of slave and we hear the word slave, we think of North American slavery. Um, people that were kidnapped from Africa, taken to work on plantations under brutal circumstances and treated uh, it was just the whole thing was absolute evil. And so when we hear that word slave, we think that is, that is a terrible thing. That is a the really bad thing. But this is the slavery that we know that was North American slavery wasn't at all actually comparable to Old Testament slavery, to slavery in the, in the Roman Empire. And actually, when you were a slave for, for seven years, at the last year, you were able to be free. You're able to go. Um, but often what slaves would do is they would go to their master and they would say, Hey master, I want, I want to stick around, you know, because it's not like, uh, you know, there was other jobs around to have. And, and if the master treated them well, they would say, Hey, I want to be yours. And so they would go to a doorpost and they would get uh, an awl and hammer it through their ear, and that would, na- that would now signify that you belonged to that master. They were essentially um, your property. And, and this is our, our slavery with, with God and Christ. It's, a volunt- it's on a volunteer basis. And, and the thing was, um, and when I was younger, I tried to force my, my little brother, Nick, into slavery. Nick, if you're watching... I'm sorry. I, I, I hope you've recovered from the way I treated you. But what I would do, what I would do is whoever owned the video game console in our family kind of had the power, right? Because I mean, like playing GameCube or playing with a Slinky, there's not really a competition. GameCube, right? And so if you owned the video game console, then it was yours. And if the if my brother wanted to play. 
Well, he had to do a few things for me. And so I would, I would kind of exchange favors for time with the GameCube. And I tried to kind of make him my slave. But the thing was, eventually, he figured out a way around it. And uh, yeah, it, it stopped working anymore. And, and the thing was, that's good that he came to his senses because I wasn't a very good master. I was manipulating him uh, to get what I want. Uh, but with slavery to God... We have an amazing master. And if you look at the Israelites, they, they were enslaved to the Egyptians, and, and that was a, a horrible thing, right? They were enslaved there. And uh, God brought them out of slavery to be his people. And, and it says in Isaiah 41, 9 to 10, this is God saying it about Israel. And he says, I said, you are my servant. Again, that word, if you're translating it, it it's more accurately slave. I have chosen you, I have not rejected you, so don't fear, I'm with you. Don't be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so you see how amazing it is actually to be a slave of God. It's, you actually come into um, his protection, you come into his care. Just like in olden days when you were a slave, you were kind of one of the family. Uh, and in the same way, when, when, we were, when we're, I'm talking about being a slave, to God, it, it's not that we're working for, for a taskmaster who is evil. We're working for an amazing God who brings us into his care, who brings his protection in us, who upholds us, who strengthens us, who helps us. And actually, the beautiful thing is, while we are also slaves to God, we are also sons and daughters of God. And that is the, that, that's the beautiful thing, right? And I think we have to embrace both of these roles. I have to embrace the fact that I'm a son of God. If I don't, if I see that I'm a slave to God, but I don't see that I'm a son of God, I'm going to, I'm going to see God up there in the sky and I'm going to say, ah, ah, God, I'm just going to do whatever you want and, and don't, don't hurt me. Ah, I'm just going to work for you. Uh, but if, but if I just see that I'm a son of God and don't realize maybe that, that I am a slave to God, maybe I'll say to God, yo pops, you know, uh, give me the keys to the car. When should I be back? 10 o'clock. Okay. I'll be back by midnight. You know, we kind of lose that awe and respect. And this is why I think seeing both of these roles is so important. Seeing that I'm a son, that I, I, I can relate to God as a son. But actually in my obedience and in my ministry, I'm actually a slave to God. He owns me. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own and my job is to please my master. And so we need to embrace these titles. I'm a son of God and I'm a slave to God. And I think being a slave to God, because uh, the translators have translated it servant, sometimes that, that role of being a slave actually gets lost um, because of that translation. So my first point today is I must humbly and proudly embra embrace slave as my title. Brenton Friesen, Slave of Christ. Uh, whenever you're um, filling out online forms, sometimes there is a, there, uh, is a little place for a title. You can say Mr., Mrs., uh, and actually the last time that I... I was booking a hotel. Uh, I saw the word title, and I'm like, I'm gonna check. I'm gonna click it and check it out. I'm gonna pick my title. And so one of the options was Reverend, and I was like, you know what? That has a bit of a nice ring to it, Reverend Brenton Friesen. So um, as a joke, I, I, I selected Reverend, and uh, in the booking it came back, Reverend Brenton Friesen, thank you for booking with us. And so I got to the counter, and I was kind of like, okay, here we go, are they going to call me Reverend? And they didn't. I was kind of disappointed, but... Um, 
But anyway, uh, the disciples, when they were writing their epistles, if you read in the New Testament, often what you'll read is, is Paul, slave to Christ or servant of Christ. Peter, servant of Christ. James and Jude, who were the brothers of Jesus, servant of Christ or slave of Christ. They embraced this title in their lives. They actually preferred it. They said, yeah, I'm a slave. That's what they wrote. And so Nick didn't embrace that title, um, slave of Brenton, but even the half-brothers of Jesus, um, James and Jude, embraced that title as a servant and slave to Christ. And actually, if you look at Paul, he goes even further. He calls himself a servant in Romans, but actually he calls himself the chief of sinners. He calls himself the least of the apostles. And I want to zone in on one thing that he calls himself. And in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1, it says, this is how one should regard us as servants. And that word, actually, we're going to get to what that word means. Servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. That word isn't doulos. That's actually the only place you can find this word for servants in the Bible. And if you translate it, it means under rower. Um, in Roman ships, you had kind of the deck of the ship. And then under that deck, you had these rowers. And so the ships were, were moving and, and or were coming out of the side and moving, but you, you didn't even see these people. They were kind of the lowest of the low, just rowing, and you wouldn't give them credit. You wouldn't thank them. The ship was just going because they, they were underneath the, the floorboards of the ship rowing, and this is what Paul called himself. I'm an under rower. I'm a slave. I'm a chief of, of sinners. I'm an under rower for God. Paul had this heart and this passion, and he really just saw his place in the kingdom of God. And I think this is so key in our lives because if we're to be great in the kingdom of God, God is calling us to be humble. And, and it's, it's sometimes hard to be humble. It's, it's easy to live for ourselves. It's easy to be prideful. But, but, but pride is so dangerous. It says in James 4 verse 6, he's quoting a proverb. It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then it goes on to say, submit to God. But, but, but like, as I was preparing, that just like stuck out to me. Like when I'm prideful, there's, there's friction between me and God. There's resistance between me and God. I, I remember when, when me and Val, we rented a, a car in Puerto Rico and we were driving it and it was kind of like handling a little bit weird. And so we were like, okay, Puerto Rican cars, I don't know, they don't drive as well, obviously. Um, and we were like, yeah, whatever, it's probably normal. Let's take it out on the highway. And we realized that the e-brake was on. And so we were like, oh, oh boy, okay, let's, let's put this down. And again, in the same way, if we have pride in our lives, if we are proud and if we have selfish ambition in us, there's this opposition and this friction and this resistance with, with us and God. And we have to recognize that. We have to submit and put the e-brake down. And then what the Bible says is there's grace on our lives. God gives you grace. That's when your car gets nos. That's when there's a wind at your back and you start moving because you're no longer living living for yourself, you're living for God. And I think this is so important to see because your greatness in God's eyes will never rise above your humility and your submission to God. I'm going to say that one more time. Write it down. Got a pen? Okay, ready? Your greatness in God's eyes will never rise above your humility and submission to God. 
That's all there is to it. When we have pride in our lives, it's like we're trying to live with the e-brake on. But when we, we humble ourselves, this is where God's grace comes on our life. And if I'm going to be a good slave, I, I can't have ambitions that fall outside of my master's plan. That, like, like slaves, they live for what their master tells them to do. They, their only aim is really to, to please their master. And everything they do is in, is in the name of their master. Everything they do is for their master and ordered by their master. And, and in the same way, I need to see myself as, as a slave to Christ. I need to embrace that role in my life. Brenton Friesen, slave to Christ. I'm owned by him and he's my master. He calls the shots. He tells me what to do. Whatever God wants me to do, this is where I want to say, yes, God, I am your slave and I want to embrace that role in my life because you're my master. And and that's the the second point that, that I want to bring up today to be a good slave. We need to obey and follow one master. And and that is so, so, so huge. The Bible talks about different things in our life that will try to master us and try to control us. It says in 2 Peter uh, 2.19, For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And so with my brother, um, he, he was never my slave, okay? I, I wanted to make him my slave. Unfortunately, that never happened. He was never officially my slave. He was always my brother. But, but because I had this control of the GameCube, I had some say in, in how he acted. I had some say in what he was gonna, what he was gonna do. And so when I would, whenever I'd see him on the GameCube, I'd be like, hey, Nick, whose GameCube is that? Be like, yours? Yeah. Stop playing. So he'd press pause. Nick, get me, get me some milk. No, I don't want to get you milk. Get, get your own milk. Ah, oh, Nick. Hmm. Then I'll probably have to press the power button. Sorry, buddy, but that's my system. And, and if you don't follow my rules, then, then hey, sorry. Can't play Mario anymore. And in the same way, I wasn't, Nick wasn't my slave, but I had this control on him and I had this grip on him because he wanted to play video games. And in the same way, I can't serve God the way I'm called to do if I'm controlled or conquered by anything. If, I've, if I'm controlled and conquered by sin in my life, I'm not going to be able to be a proper slave and servant to God. And in Romans 6.16, it says, Do you realize, don't you realize, that you have become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. And so the Bible goes on to say that you're no longer slaves to sin, you're slaves to righteousness. But don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't don't let sin call the shots anymore. Sin doesn't need to be your master. God can be your master. Sin doesn't need to control you be controlled by God and live in the spirit and be led by the spirit and you're going to be free and then in Romans 8 it goes on to talk about hey you're no longer a slave to fear you're a child of God don't let fear control you don't let sin master you don't let fear master you you have one master and that master is God and this is where in our lives we have to be really careful because having two masters doesn't work well uh, it's kind of like if I would be hired by, by two different bosses to work on a house, and one of them would say, hey, Brenton, I want you to tear this house to the ground. Just demolish it straight to the ground, and then your job is done. 
I say, okay, sounds good, chief. I'll, I'll do that. Then I go to another boss and he says, you know what, Brenton, this house, it's a little fixer upper. I want you to renovate it. I want you to work on it and, and fix it up and make it look nice and pretty. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. See, it, it just doesn't work. And in my life, I, I struggled with this at one point. I, I was trying to follow God. I was trying to live for myself. And I wasn't pleasing anyone. And I wasn't pleased myself because I was still kind of caught in the middle. I was being mastered by two things. I was having two masters. I was living for two masters. And this just doesn't work. And so the Bible says no one can serve two masters You will either hate one or love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. And so it's so important to ask ourselves, who is my master? Who who is your master? Is it you? Are you living for yourself? Is it money? Are you being controlled by money? Is it sin? Are you being controlled and and conquered, that word means, by, by sin? Or is it others' approval? In Galatians 1 verse 10, it says, For I am now seeking the approval of man or God. What is it? Am I seeking approval from man or am I seeking approval from God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Wow. That, that is wild. If, if, if I, and I, as I read this verse this week, I, I honestly just had to repent and I had to say, God, I do this. I do this sometimes. Sometimes I'm living to look good in the eyes of man instead of doing what's right in your eyes. And this is where King Saul got in hot water quick because um, the, the people wanted him to make a sacrifice before, before Samuel came and he was led and, and he let the people sway him. And so he disobeyed God because he wanted to look good in the eyes of the people and he, and he folded to the pressures. And in the same way, in my life, it's so important that I have one master. It's so important that I go before God and say, God, I want you to be my master. God, I don't want to be controlled by anything else. God, I don't want to be controlled by sin. I don't want to be controlled by fear. I don't want to be controlled by the approval of others. I'm living and I'm set apart for you. I am your slave and I am slave to one master and one master only. I humble myself and I say, God, my job and my aim is to please you. In 2 Timothy, it says this, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Isn't that beautiful? When you're a soldier, you have orders, you have direction, you have a calling from from someone above, and and it's the same thing in our lives. And it's so easy to get caught up in civilian affairs, but a good soldier says, no, my job is to please the one who enlisted me, and that's God and God alone. I follow him, and I'm a slave to him, and I'm not a slave to sin, I'm not a slave to fear, I'm not a slave to what other people think of me, I'm not living for myself, I'm living for you, God. So to be a good slave, I have to be a slave of only one master. And the last point I want to talk about today is to be a good slave. It means that I have work to do. It means that I have work to do. That's, that's probably a little bit obvious. If you're a slave, 
Slaves work, they, they work hard, right? You don't often see slaves sipping Mai Tais at the beach. They're, they're working and they're serving and God has called us to serve. And, and in Galatians 5.13, it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, right? This isn't a forced thing and actually this is talking about being free from the law. But it says, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That's our call, to, to serve one another. And actually in Mark 10, uh, it says this, whoever wants to become great among you must be servant, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. Isn't that crazy? So we've been talking about being a slave to Christ, but it really, if we're going to be a slave to Christ, God is calling us to be a slave to all. And this is where it's just like, what? God, like a slave to all, a sl- like all, like everyone, that doesn't even sound like it's possible. That doesn't even sound realistic. That I don't want to do that. This to, like for uh, all God, being a slave to all. But then it says this in, in verse 30, 45. It says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Isn't that amazing? God God didn't come even to be served. If anyone could have done that, if anyone could have came down and be like, hey, 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 give me a glass of milk. Yeah, 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 make it quick, double time. It was, it was Jesus, like, come on. But even him, he came and he demonstrated what it looked like to serve. He demonstrated what it looked like to lay his life down. It says in Philippians, this is one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible, honestly. It says this about Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. That word is doulos. Taking the very nature of a slave being made in human likeness. And then it goes on to say, and he died one of the most humili- in one of the most brutal ways to die. He died on a cross. And he did this to show what his kingdom was like. His, his kingdom is, is, is one of humility and his kingdom is one of service. And this is, this is an example of, of God's love and service. And, and towards the end of his life, the, the disciples, they, they were at the, at, at the last supper. This was kind of the last hurrah, the last time that Jesus was going to get all of his, his peeps together. And even here, the disciples are arguing, hey, hey, John, who do you think is the greatest? Think it's Peter? Think it's me? No, I, I don't know. I, I think it's me. Even here they were arguing. And so Jesus at this point, I don't, I don't know if he was like, I've told them, I've told them to be first. You have to be last. I can just repeat that all. But, but actually Jesus takes it even a step further. It says in John 13, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus was firm in his identity. And because of that, he was able to humble himself. And because of that, he was able to do this. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped the towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
And this is where the disciples were like, Jesus, no, like we should be washing your feet. And I don't know if you've ever done this too, washed, washed each other's feet, have a, having a foot washing ceremony. It's a little bit gross. Like feet are, feet are meant to be hidden. You know, that's my opinion. My feet don't look great. Um, and whenever you're washing people's feet, they're a little bit sweaty. But back in the day, it was like, like Jesus, don't, don't wash my feet. Like, do you, know, do you know where I've been? Do you know what I just stepped in coming here? And Jesus did it. He, he did the lowest menial task. I don't know what the equivalent is to washing someone's feet today. It's probably scrubbing someone's toilet with a toothbrush. Like Jesus got low and Jesus served and he's trying to get his disciples to see, hey, it's not about trying to reach for fame. It's not about trying to be great. It's about serving God, being a slave to God. And you do that by being a servant and a, and a slave to everybody else around you. And this is what he went on to say. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, because that's what I am. Now that I, your teacher, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We'll be blessed when we serve. We'll be blessed when we get low around for the people around us and, and, and we serve when we do whatever our master has called us to do. And it, it can be so easy to lose sight of that, to get low and to serve. And, and it can be so easy to kind of say, hey, I'm better than this. I, I, I could do more than this. I remember when I graduated from Steinbeck Bible College and I was given, um, I was given a role to be in charge of the canteen of the youth. And part of me was like, the canteen of the youth. Like, I, I've been to Bible college. I wrote, I wrote papers. I can study Greek and Hebrew. I know how to pray. I know how to preach. Like, the canteen. Now, now I have to go buy, like, Dunkaroos and sell them? Like, what is this all about? This, this doesn't mean the canteen. Like, I can preach. I have a degree. I can show you. Should I bring you my degree? Because the canteen. Buying Skittles, what is that going to help? And, and you know what? I had to realize, man, Brenton, be quiet. Submit. Humble yourself. This is not about you. This is not about you being high and mighty. This is not about you preaching the word of God. This is about you being faithful. This is about you doing whatever you're called to do to see the mission fulfilled. And this is what we're called to do. As slaves, as servants of Christ, we are called to get low. We are called to wash people's feet. We are called to serve. It is our job to serve. And being a slave too, I, I want to close with this. Being a slave doesn't mean that God put a hoe in your hand and just said, just just hold these beets, I, I don't know, onions, until I get back, and then I'll say good boy, and you did a few nice things, and, and you're welcomed into my kingdom. No, God, we're, we're slaves to God, but we also have a, a massive responsibility that he's given us. It says in, again, 1 Corinthians 4, we are, we are servants of Christ, but also stewards of the mysteries of God. 
There's another, you know, a parable that Jesus tells where he, he puts talents in, in, in ser- the master puts talents in the servant's hands. And that's me. I've been given talents. I, I've been given this, this, this stewardship of the mysteries of God. I've been given stewardship of the gospel. I've been given stewardship of the bride of Christ. I'm, I'm a slave, but, but actually God has given me responsibility and God has given me trust. And I want to close with, the, with this last story. So if you've been tuning me out, wake up, and we're going to finish with this. It says in Mark 13, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. He's talking about uh, the end of the world. There's been a lot of talk about that. Ah, oh, this is the end of the world. But not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself know. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, Be on guard. Stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were called to do. And he told the gatekeeper to keep watch for his return. You too must keep watch. For you don't know when the master of the household will return in the evening, midnight, before dawn, daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. And this is our call. The master has given us instructions and the master has called us to keep watch. And we've been put in charge of the master's household. We are slaves to God, but we've been given this role and responsibility and talents in our hands. And and our calling is not to fall asleep and not just to say, okay, uh, I'm waiting for God to come back. No, we're called to work and we're called to serve and we're called to use these talents. Um, And at the end of the day, I want to be faithful with that responsibility. I want to be faithful with whatever task God has called me to, whatever that looks like, whether that's canteen, whether it's preaching, I don't care. As long as it, it looks like serving God and serving other people, I say yes, and I want to do that. And I really believe that when we do that, when we're faithful with what God has put in our hands, this is when we're going to hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's my heart. And that's the cry of my life. I want to live for him. I want to be a faithful servant to God with whatever he's put in my hands. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the GMC podcast. For more info about what's going on this week, check out gmchurch.ca. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week.